CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now on Options Action, this chart is our theme tonight, a retail route, XRT, nowhere near keeping up with the overall market. This morning's consumer data confirming the sentiment. Buckle up, we're going to show you how to hedge with options. Then trading something we've never done before. For big purchases, consumers rely on financing. Financing relies on rates. Rates rely on the tenure. And we round out the consumer conundrum with a look back on a recent restaurant trade. Should we stay for a cup of coffee or yell, check please? I'm Sarah Eisen. This is Options Action, live from the NASDAQ market site. On the desk tonight, Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Brian Stutland. Welcome to you all. Some of tonight's notable options action. In equities, as you might expect, Tesla, Apple, JPM, Morgan, Boeing, and Alibaba. We're going to touch more on Tesla and trade it in a bit. Over on the ETF side of things, the Qs, financials, bonds, and Brazil when it comes to bonds. We usually trade the TLT, you see there, but tonight we're using something new for us and we'll show you what later on. Let's get to our main focus tonight, this morning's retail sales data. Just piling onto the recent indicators that the consumer is finally getting tapped out. The figure marking the weakest month-over-month reading since November. All of this recently reflected in the retail ETF, the XRT. Carter, show us where we are right now. Right. Well, so the beauty of the XRT, of course, it's it's equal weighted. It's 89 stocks, and it's got the big ones like Walmart and Amazon and Target. But because it's equal weight, you don't have the influence of one or two names. It's 89 stocks, 2.5 trillion, the same market cap as Apple. And it is literally flirting with 52-week lows. And so here is a broad swath of the consumer depicted in a sort of a pure sense, right? Amazon's not too much of an influence, this or that. And you've got everything from Gap to Urban Outfitters. And it's the definition of poor relative strength. And I think it speaks to part of the problem with the so-called good stock market. You see it not only here, but you see it in the autos, like again, Ford and General Motors. And you see it in other areas uh, related uh, to consumer. So we're thinking XRT breaks lower. It's flirting with its trend line in effect since the COVID low. And again, it is making new relative lows. You can see it on the screen right there uh, to uh, the S&P. It's not a good setup. Are you saying that it's broadening out? Because it, for, for retail and consumer, it's been so specific to industry where you are. Sure. Electronics and home goods, not good. Not good. Groceries, good. Are you saying that, that you're seeing a broader trend of consumer weakness? Because even if you go into today's retail sales report, it wasn't all bad. There was strength in online sales, for instance, restaurants. Are sure, restaurants have been good. And, 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 and luxury. Look and at, sporting look at, goods, too. Look at, look at LVMH. He's now the at, richest man in the world, right? But, <laughs> it's true. Right. Better than LVMH was Hermes. I don't know yep. if you guys saw overnight. Yeah, incredible. Double-digit growth in the U.S., no sign of a slowdown. But the big heavies like Target or even smaller stocks like Gap, uh, Carter's, uh, these are, they're just, there's an expression, this dog won't hunt. They're not doing well. And I think it's, there's a message there. Mike? What do you think? You know, it, yeah, it, it's interesting, of course. You know, so we've seen some recent underperformance, but I think it's important to remember that if you're looking at XRT, XRT is still up about 34, 35% from the pre pandemic 
highs. And that's actually more than the S&P is up over the exact same period. And there's a reason that we've seen that kind of outperformance. And that was that basically it was the perfect setup for retailers during the pandemic. Consumers were flush. They went out, they spent. And uh, basically that is the dynamic that's coming unwound. And that's the reason that the trade itself is coming unwound. If you take a look at the entire group. Now, I'm going to talk about the PE of, of XRT, but I'm going to exclude the outliers. So I'm, I'm not going to include things like Amazon or Gap Stores, which doesn't have any earnings at all to speak of right now. So basically, all of the cheapest stocks in the group, which you actually mentioned a couple of them, we're talking now about uh, you know, the companies that are selling cars like Penske Automotive and the grocers, uh, for example, which are trading probably 10 times. As a group, there's still almost 15 times earnings throwing out the high flyers, because as Carter pointed out, it's an equal weight index, so we're not going to count that. It throws off the averages. To me, uh, I, that still may not be cheap enough relative to the S&P when we think about the weakness that could come for some of these. So I definitely think that's interesting. What's also interesting is that we're seeing the spread between options premia and how much the underlying XRT ETF is moving around is quite wide right now. It is, you know, implied vol has come in, but it hasn't come in as much as volatility has. And the reason for that uh, I think is that uh, people are expecting that correlation in the group could rise, that there's going to be a general sense that there could be some consumer weakness. So I think a way to play this on the short side because of the dynamic I just described is with a put spread. I was looking out to June, the 61.55 put spread. Usually we look to spend about 25 percent of the distance between the strikes. It was a little bit more than that, but uh, just under a dollar sixty when I was looking at that shortly before the close. And I think that's a way to uh, basically fade XRT. And it's important to remember that although we've started to get some earnings, like we have out of financial starting this week and next, uh, a lot of the retailers don't report for some time. It's not going to get actually captured even by May expirations. The reason we're going out to June. Some of these mm. companies are going to be reporting at the end of the month. Brian, do you, do you agree with the weaker call on retail? Well, it's kind of interesting because our macroeconomic indicators, we have a star rating on that. It sits right in the middle at three. So it seems like, in the sense, dead money. And that's probably why the retailers haven't participated, to Carter's point, with the rest of the market. Is, is, is It is kind of dead money. We're in an environment where rates are low, but maybe there's a recession coming, according to some of the Fed advisors. So now, And then commodity prices are moving up. The you know oil's moving higher here. That's going to hurt consumers. So we're kind of in this dead money area. And to me, it makes sense when you lay out a put spread, like Mike said, if there's some risk to the downside here, you're looking at a put spread that's going to pay out three to one. That's a great payout. We've seen implied volatility, to Mike's point, option premium not really reflect some of the movement that can occur in this space for these guys. And so certainly buying a put spread makes a lot of sense to sort of protect that downside. Or if you want to play a long short technique here, I would use this put spread to be long that put spread and essentially be short retailers while owning other parts, other sectors of the market. We've had consumer discretionary slightly underweight relative to the rest of the market. So I kind of like this play by Mike. Do you like these plays or do you, I, and I know you pointed out XRT, or do you go name specific? I think either one is fine. Let's, I mean, talk about a big deal. Let's talk home, how about Home Depot? Down almost 8% for the year. You've just got these housing's curious, been a weak spot. exactly, but the housing stocks have been strong. Uh, so you've got these curious non-participants that are just, can't be brushed off as don't matter. Final word to you, Mike, to button up the conversation. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I think the really important thing here is that we need to recognize that, uh, you know, the sharp increase in rates, the sharp increase in prices, these are the combination of these two things 
ends up having a profound impact on consumers' ability to spend. And if you don't think that's going to be reflected in retail results upcoming, I think you're in for a painful surprise. And so this is not an expensive way to hedge your exposure if you have it, and it's not an expensive way to lean against the group. The only thing I'll say to. to that, Mike, is that people have been saying that for a really long time, ever since the Fed started raising rates in March of last year. And the consumer's and been boy, remarkably don't you wish, like, resilient. And, and by the way, the instant they started saying that, shouldn't you have shorted the XRT right then and there? I mean, it's been dead money or worse. So, yes, they've been saying it. And, yes, they've been 100 percent right. I was going to say, but, you know, we've also seen job gains throughout that period, and that's kept the consumer sort of alive. But I guess to your point, haven't seen much from the stocks. Well, we've, we've also seen weakening employment pictures in the white collar space. And I think that's going to play into consumer confidence, even though the consumer confidence numbers, I will admit, came in slightly over survey. Yeah, today, today was good. You miss. Um, guys, we'll wrap the conversation there. And keep in mind, for everything Options Action, check out the website and the newsletter. And we've got more show Options Action coming up right after a quick break. Coming up, our consumer theme continues with one of the biggest purchases one can make, a car, of course. We're looking at the crowd favorite Tesla. Or is it still the crowd favorite? Find out what the options market thinks next. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Our cracks in the consumer stocks theme of the day continues. One of the biggest ticket items people buy, of course, is a car. Tesla is both a popular maker and a popular stock, but does the does the options market signal that it's thinking differently down the road, Mike, on Tesla? What do you see? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. Uh, Tesla is uh, one of my Holly Index names. Uh, Holly Index uh, is basically the list of stocks that my wife really likes because she loves their products and buys their products. That is what she drives, and she loves Tesla. She's, she loves the one that she has, and she's trying to actually encourage me to get one. This is a company that is obviously the leader in the EV space. I don't want to take anything away from them. And, you know, there are some things that actually have gone to help the company recently. The tax credit situation, as an example, has leveled the playing field because, as many will remember, they had actually exceeded the threshold of cars sold and were no longer eligible for the tax credit. And recent rule changes have changed that. So they are not essentially at a competitive disadvantage to other automakers. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, both for consumers and for Tesla specifically. However, they have been lowering pricing recently. And now a lot of people have pointed to that uh, as evidence that the company is trying to gain market share versus their competition, which is kind of interesting because, of course, they are the market for electronic uh, for electric vehicles. So I don't really think that's what's going on. To me, the decline in prices is probably more indicative of oversupply. And I also think that some of the real rapid uh, adoption of EVs, probably some of that first hockey stick has already taken place. 
So to me, if, if one's inclined to do so, I'm kind of thinking that the stock probably does not have a whole lot of upside here. Now, as you pointed out uh, at the beginning, the options markets are basically expressing the fact that they expect quite a lot of volatility. So that means elevated options premiums. So I think a way to take advantage of that is by selling an upside call spread. And I was looking out to May to do that, uh, essentially looking at the 195-200 call spread, selling the 195 calls in May, buying the 200s against it. Now, a couple of reasons I'm using a call spread here. One of them is that the company is going to be reporting earnings. I do not like selling naked calls or even just covered calls, frankly, going into catalysts like that. Uh, some research has been done suggesting that you probably want to avoid those kinds of situations. But I think this is a way that you can look to collect a little bit of premium. Now, a quick and important point. If this goes wrong and Steve Grasso, who I know was favoring getting long Tesla at the end of the last show, if that proves to be true, an important thing about these vertical spreads, they will not go to the full value of the spread the instant the stock runs through those strikes. So if you get the trade wrong, the important thing to do here is make sure that you cover it quickly and you, you won't actually lose that whole section of red that you see there on the screen. But I have a feeling that they're going to have a hard time breaking through those levels. It does feel like the market doesn't know how to really interpret, Carter, the, the price action, not, not the stock, but the price moves that Tesla is making when it comes to lowering prices. How, how's the setup? Yeah, well, apparently some of the customers are furious about that. It wouldn't be nice when you buy it and then they cut the price uh, days later. But what we know is Tesla is idiosyncratic, and we know that to some extent it's not correlated with the other major manufacturers. But just consider this. We know the market makes a low in October, and we're up about 16 70% off that low. But things like GM and Ford are up only 6 7 Nissan's, you know, up 6 7 Toyota's down 10 uh, the, the group is heavy. And, and Tesla also, to be fair, having had a collapse and a big ricochet, is not performing in line with the market. Its relative performance is poor. You can see on the screen here, we're at risk of, of breaking below these two converging trend lines. I think it's, um, it's a better bet to the downside, and selling a call spread is the way to do it. All right, let's continue the puns and back up from Tesla to a more macro view, from car loans to home loans to business loans. Both consumers and businesses that cater to them largely depend on financing. Financing depends on rates. Rates, of course, depend on the Fed. Brian Stutland, you're depend we're depending on you to help us hedge here. Yeah, well, lots of going ons because when you look at it, retail numbers, weak. Uh, PPI number came in a little lower than expected, although still expanding. And so traders really expected actually rates to maybe go lower off of these last couple numbers. And they really did it. The 10-year was actually up five or six basis points throughout the day today. It seems to sort of been in this uptrend where rates have come down below that 3.5% mark. But now we're sort of at the top end of that trend. Uh, of moving up in the recent last few weeks here. And so it feels like maybe the 10-year note is stalling out. And with commodity prices recently moving up, we look at oil, like I mentioned earlier in the show, now the Fed may have to start to pivot and continue their rate rise despite what some of their advisors are warning about a recession. And so can the 10-year rate really continue in terms of be bought up, rates lower, people buy that bond for it to go higher. So IEF, tracks the seven to 10 year notes basically on treasuries. And, and as rates come down, that IEF will move higher. And I wanna be a call seller here. When you look at IEF, right, it's kind of stalled out right here at $100, come back down. I'd be willing to just take a bet, take in some premium. If I'm long bonds somewhere in my portfolio on a long duration, or I own 10 year notes and whatnot, I'd be willing to sell a call here, sell the May 99 strike for a buck 20. When you think about it, in just a few weeks, 
you collect one and a quarter percent, a little more than that of premium on the call you sold. Yes, you'd have to be willing to get short IEF above 99. The break even though 100.2 is really the break even on this point. And I use this sort of call sell to overlay against any of my long bond duration. I think this is a nice play because I think we're going to sort of stall out here on the 10-year, being able to get significantly lower unless we get some serious recession indications. I don't think that would come until the back half of this year. We're not really in that environment, and that's why I'm sticking with the short-dated option and playing it in May. Do, do rates look like they're stabilizing to you? Yeah, I'm in the lower rates camp. So, again, uh, maybe as discussed earlier, so we're basically at the same level we were in the summer a year ago. No one could say it's not about where you were compared to where you were, and now it's the rate of change and where you're headed. The, the truth is this. The consensus was that rates would be at a 10-year at 5%. We we're going to be high force. We're not. And uh, all the charts that I'm looking at would suggest that rates ultimately are going lower. And I think you want to be long TLT. I'm on the other side of this or the IEF. Mike, what about you? So uh, obviously on April 28th, we're going to get some important data in the form of the PCE, which is the Fed's favored uh, measure of inflation. The goal here, of course, for the Fed was really to get to neutral. That is to say that they would at least not have negative real rates. I think we're very, very close to that. And my sense is that if we get uh, you know, any continuing weak economic data, and I, I think this, we're likely going to see some of that, uh, I just don't see the Fed getting aggressive. I, I kind of expect a pause at the very least uh, coming out of them the next time around, because I have a feeling that the data is going to at least permit them to do that. And if they do, uh, then there is a chance, I think, that, that rates could actually come in a bit. And I think that would be consistent with the economic picture, and it would be consistent with what the Fed has stated. Wait, you think they're going to pause in May? The market is like heavily in the, in the quarter point camp right now. Yeah, I, I, I know. And of course, so that's a little bit of a contrarian bet. But you know, my, my view is that, look, they're going to they're gonna be very hard about inflation because Powell does not want to be Arthur Burns. He'd rather be Paul Volcker if he has to look at his legacy on the, you know, underneath the painting uh, in the Fed of his, of his portrait. But the fact of the matter is that if we have significantly weakening economic data, it is going to give them an excuse to pause. And I have a feeling that they might be under significant pressure to take that. I don't and, know. I uh, think inflation know. is still, still too high for comfort. But... It, it, I agree it is too high, but it is a, a question of reaching neutral. So it is not it is not simply an issue of where the rate policy is going to land is such that you don't have negative real interest rates. And if they feel like they can make that claim and if they feel that the pay, it is still trending in the right direction and they see weak economic data, it wouldn't surprise me to see them pause. And a 25 basis point hike for what it's worth ain't much in the great no. grand scheme of things. <laughs> right. Up next, we're going to take a closer look back on a recent restaurant trade. Should we ask for the check now or stay for dessert? Options action back in a moment. Welcome back to Options Action. So a couple of weeks ago, Mike laid out a way to play Darden restaurants into earnings. Remember this? From an operational standpoint, they're doing quite well. They've seen sales and margin outperformance. We actually did see an uptick in uh, seated diners uh, over the over their most recent reports that we've seen for this. And this is a company that has a decently strong balance sheet. They have good size, and I think that puts them in a competitive advantage. I was looking at putting on an April make haul diagonal, buying the longer dated, essentially at the money, 150 calls, spending uh, just under six bucks for those, and then selling the nearer dated 155s in April against it. This does not have weekly 
uh, options. Net net, you're going to be spending about three dollars and sixty cents. So results have come and gone. The stock has rallied and now expiration on this trade is approaching. So, Mike, what do we do here? Yeah, I mean, the thing ran right to that short strike. So we certainly got the magnitude of the move correct. Uh, I think when these things roll off, it'll be fine just to take the trade off. We've had a small profit. Essentially, this is a poor man's covered call. And I think it's time to take the money and run. I've been negative on the consumer, and I don't want to be contrarian to that now. (laughs) All right. Up next, your tweets and our final call. Stay with us. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, with earnings around the corner, what would be a good covered call sell from Microsoft for Microsoft? What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think we maybe missed a little bit of the opportunity today. We saw volatility really get smacked. Lots of option sellers from Amazon to other NASDAQ 100 uh, names where they were just selling option premium. In fact, the market was down and volatility, meaning option premium, contracted. So I would wait. Let's see if Microsoft makes a run up into earnings. Maybe look to sell a call later afterwards of a sell in May and go away. But wait for a run up before I'm selling the call. Our next fan asks, I own long dated January 25th calls of Vail that were bought for almost no time value as a proxy for strong commodities. I'm up modestly. Better alternatives, Carter? I think it's a good alternative right here. You got a lot of time, a lot of time and it closed 1596, I would stick with it. It's a good way to play the space. All right, our next tweet asks, any thoughts on a May 19th, 71 through 65 put spread on Akamai Technologies? It's been making lower highs and lows all year, and competition from Amazon, Microsoft, and Google will get fierce. Mike, you could take this one. Yeah, if you're going to press a short, put spreads are definitely a way I'd like to play it. This is going to capture earnings. One quick point, stocks 82 and a half as of today's close. If you're going to use a put spread, you probably want to use something tight to the money. I would think maybe the May 8070 would get you done. All right, really quick, final call. Let's go around. Carter. XRT, consumer, faded. Brian. Still a call on IEF. Mike. XRT, I think the way to make a bearish bet there is with a put spread. Ooh, some bears here on the consumer, right? That's going to do it for us on Options Action. We're going to be back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Have a great weekend, everyone. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.